For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hi, everybody. We are Matt and Kevin, and welcome to Season 2 of the Believe in Overwatch League podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Please like, rate, and subscribe to us on all your favorite podcast platforms. You can also find us on social media at Believe in OWL and Believe.com. This week, we cover the final week of playoffs, a new Overwatch comic, and the new MVP. Hello, hello, everybody. It is week 32 here at the Believe in Overwatch League podcast, and we hope you are all doing well. How have you been, Kevin, gameplay-wise and, and I guess also non-gameplay-wise? Um, I've been doing pretty good. I just got a book in today. I, I've been waiting on a certain manga to come out, so um, I'm glad that, you know, Way of the House Husband uh, book four just came out I'll pick that up um i guess the big thing that happened last night my by the way my sleep schedule is so messed up i literally woke up at like 1 30 i fell asleep at like four um so it's all over the place but um i watched the entire concert of the undertale fifth anniversary um like symphony it was pretty cool um very fun i know that uh toby fox likes to mess around with the way how certain things are set up um so they had like a 45 minute intro because they knew that people were going to be filing in to watch it live when it happened um and one of the funniest things is like they played the dog song which is like one of the main themes of of the uh of undertale they played it and then they just all walked off stage and then they're just like wait why because like the dog itself is only it only shows up like for half a second in the actual game so they all just left and then they took like another minute intermission and then they came back and they're like oh okay now they're actually getting back to like the real the real deal stuff um, Rolls. <laughs> it's really funny um and there's also like a screenshot of like a woman playing piano and i i took the shot of it um but she's like playing the piano and the title card says she's playing piano and i'm like oh okay like i guess you're not wrong um we we could clearly we clearly see that um but yeah the whole the whole thing was a ride it was like i think it was like almost two hours long um but i was just listening to it in the background while i was uh working on other things but it was it was kind of insane knowing that you know oh um that kind of Undertale came out a year before Overwatch, and now Overwatch is like four years old coming up. Um, like it's it's kind of insane. Four years, wow! It's hard to believe. In five years for Undertale, and now Toby Fox has been doing a lot more other stuff too. Like if you if you play Pokemon Sword and Shield, the Battle Tower theme is made by Toby Fox. Um, so if you do play competitive, you hear it quite a bit. Um, it does have very vibes, very much uh, Undertale vibes, but it's a lot of fun. Um, would recommend seeing it if you guys are there, um, taking a look at that. And then also um, we had, you know, the PS5 news that dropped earlier today. Um, Not about that. Yeah, uh, people are starting to get their pre-orders in. It's supposed to come out in November. Um, that was the official like day that they're they're saying oh november 12th is going to be the the day that it drops and people like other sites are already taking pre-orders what's the price point um it is 399 for the regular one i think 
Um, it's like three ninety nine for the smaller one, and then there's like one that is like that one's digital only. The digital only one is uh, three ninety nine. The one that requires discs but also has online capabilities is four ninety nine. Um, but not that bad. Yeah, I think the hundred dollar difference may be the difference between having backwards compatibility and not. Uh-huh. So depending on that will depend on what I buy later on. But yeah. um, I don't think I'm going to be one of those guys, you know, camping out in front of a uh, in front oh, of GameStop no, yeah. waiting for it. So I think that we'll we'll let the we'll let the tryhards get it. They'll play something. They'll say it sucks or it's busted, and then we'll wait till they revamp it like in the in March, and then we'll just like yeah. get that one. Like, that's what I, that's what I've always done with like consoles. You just wait for the initial rush to die down. They'll find bu- like you said, they'll find bugs, and then they'll re-release it with a a fix. Exactly. And then there won't be that huge rush. You're not going to have to like go like if if you're not in America, we have Black Friday. Um, but you're not going to have to go like slog through Walmart and punch a child in the face to get your 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 copy of a PS5. Yeah, it, it does kind of suck in that matter where they were initially saying that they wanted to do it on a limited release and i'm like why would you limited release a console like um we're talking about that with like you know the super mario games yeah Uh, i was gonna bring that up (laughs) you 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 want to have you want to sell as many copies as possible so you might as well like get a lot of copies and just put them out there right um it, it's probably better that way as well because then you know if it picks up in popularity you sell more and selling more means more profit and so on and so forth so i really don't under i do understand like the whole scarcity thing like that's the sneaker effect um but it doesn't really like it doesn't work out here consoles. i don't think yeah it's two different games here yeah so speaking of super mario 3d all-stars i i'm waiting on that game I thought it was coming out tomorrow, which is Thursday. I don't know why. It's coming out on Friday. I'm excited for it. I didn't realize people didn't like Super Mario Sunshine. I pre- This might just be like rose tinted glasses, but I-, I loved Super Mario Sunshine. I never finished it, but I really liked just the atmosphere, the exploration of everything. It's definitely a very a new take on uh, on Super Mario. I really loved it. I played Super Mario 64 on the DS when it came out with like, different characters and whatnot so i don't know if i'll play that version but i've never played galaxy before i've heard it's fantastic i'm excited for when that comes out um on my end i haven't been playing all that much i played a little bit of overwatch on friday at team practice uh, and i realized i can still play sigma in this meta no matter what my coach told me like you can't play sigma he's busted like no i can still play sigma i can still do work on sigma leave me alone don't tell me i can't play sigma um so that happened, and that's really been all of my gaming stuff. Although uh, on Monday uh, we saw we saw that bitch Carol Baskin on Dancing with the Stars, and I can't tell what I hate more: um, Tyra Banks just trying too hard to be a host, or Carol Baskin failing at dancing. And then the judge is like, "Oh my God, you're Carol Baskin. We know you killed your husband. Why are you on a dancing show?" <laughs> yeah, I I don't I don't understand. Uh you know reality tv anymore i would like to you know just get back to the competition and like real stuff you would think that they would like screen people before they actually like get up there and just be like oh you're a big name but you're washed up so welcome to dancing with the stars i mean that's That's not uh, like i mean you have to make sure that you like you could at least move i mean that's that's something that you would expect on the show carol baskin Um, cannot move yeah, exactly. Like you, you want to get something more in there, you know? Yeah. Well, we'll we'll see if she's eliminated. I hope she's eliminated. I really do. Uh, it's just a gimmick at this point. Like, I really hope she doesn't win. But with the way people are, they might vote for her to stay. Um, it's clearly just to get viewership because, like, everyone else on the show is a nobody. Like they're either washed up or no one knows who they are yet. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, I I respect Johnny Weir being on there. That's just me coming from my anime side. Um, he is. He's been the host of the Crunchyroll Awards for the past two years. Um, that they host on 
um, and and the cosplay masquerade at Crunchyroll Expo. So he's honestly just like a really good personality. And you know, being a figure skater, an Olympic figure skater, you definitely can move. So I I believe that you know Johnny can do a lot of work. So um, really glad to see that he got picked up. I, I would expect him to go all the way. I'll just update whatever Carol Baskin does because my parents are gonna watch the show anyway. So might as well wait around till she gets shamed off the show. I hope it's next week because then I don't have to I watch just hope it that we don't have the uh the Sanjaya effect. If you guys remember Oh Sanjaya god no from from American Idol like the first years, but there was like some guy who was like really bad. And I don't know how he got to the Hollywood stage, but he did. Uh, because and then like the awfulness. Yeah, and they kept voting him in just to like keep him around and I'm like, oh no. Like <laughs> not like this. I mean, that's um, been a problem on Dancing with the Stars specifically. Like people who can't dance are are kept on just because they have people voting for them. It's like really like even the judges are like, you should not to the person who went home, you shouldn't be the one going home this week, knowing glance at the person who should have been kicked out. Yeah. But it's like like Bill, I think Bill Engvall was like really one of those people who like washed up comedian who had a dwindling fan base who can't dance but like hey it's funny to see him kind of stand there and look stupid so let's keep him in and then like people who actually could dance were kicked out so yeah um i I was just glancing around sorry we're totally getting off track of like you know league stuff but um i just checked the nintendo site there is going to be a uh nintendo direct tomorrow so oh um keep your eyes open wake up it, apparently it's at 7 a.m tomorrow uh, pst so i'm probably gonna power through it um i'll probably take a nap and then just be like you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna pull an all-nighter uh and just watch the direct when it happens uh and then just live off of red bull and caffeine for the rest of the day sounds delicious and healthy yeah, probably not i'm probably gonna my heart is gonna explode <laughs> so now to end our very long rant that we just had uh let's get into league news shall we and i forgot to update this from yesterday um so day one we had the rain v mayhem and the justice v valiant i believe the rain v mayhem was a three and oh kevin am i right i, I don't want to pull up the website right now i, I can do it real quick i didn't update it from yesterday i'm dumb <laughs> when i had the website in front of me uh the we're talking about the the rain v mayhem and the justice versus the valiant i know the justice v valiant was a a one to three in favor of the justice yeah uh the rain v mayhem was a 3-0 going in the way of the mayhem yeah yeah i was right okay so uh the the rain recently had their bit of a resurgence um they may have lost king baby bay but still like they were still doing manageably well uh lost to the mayhem uh, which I, I would say is a respectable loss. The Mayhem have definitely stepped up in this season. So um, good for them for getting this far. Sad to see them go, uh, but the Mayhem moved on. The Justice versus the Valiant happened as well. Um, it was a 3-1. to one. It was Busan, Kings Row, Bolskaya, and uh, Gibraltar. Um, the Valiant won the first map off of Busan. The rest were just the Justice winning it. Um, my my thoughts on why the Valiant won this first one and uh, didn't win the rest of them are because in the first map, uh, the Justice weren't running a Zenyatta, whereas the Valiant were, and that Zenyatta really allowed them to burst down um, the Roadhog and the Zarya when they needed to. You only have very limited shielding with the Zarya, so pretty much... Uh, everybody's exposed, and once you have the uh, the damage boost from the Mercy, plus the, the Discord Orb from the Zen, getting headshots with an Ash, and some cleanup with the Tracer, you're deleting those tanks very, very quickly. Um, I, I feel like the Justice also, like, they, they didn't have as good of a sniper game um, when it was head-to-head snipers. Uh, a thing that I have with Stitch is that, like, he's good against teams with he's good against taking out squishies but he's always outclassed by someone who's actually a dedicated sniper just due to that uh ability to to pump in damage with that the discord orb and the mercy um the justice lost but 
if you look at the rest of the rounds, they learn from that mistake. They start running the Zen and it balances things out very well. A problem that the Valiant have for the rest of the time is they're continuing to run a Winston Diva meta, which I, I personally, I don't like it in general. And it, it just doesn't put out enough damage. Like you get the, you get the shield, you get the mobility with the Winston Diva, but your damage is so low compared to Azaria, which is like you have Decay, who's getting charged up very, very quickly. Plus you have like the quick burst damage from the hog. Um, you're never able to match that output. So it's so much easier for the justice to go and get these quick kills. And as long as their healers are doing what they're supposed to do, then the the Washington justice are always going to be playing at an advantage. The, the Valiant still had a decent, round of play on king's row there they did go to second round of attacks um king's row was really heavily dominated by the tracer play i feel there were a lot of really good flanks a lot of really good mobility um there were soloed tracer bombs or tracer bombs paired with graviton surges that really dictated um how well a team could push and snowball uh lots of good synergy on those teams there uh aside from that uh, the the Valiant, I just don't think that they were prepared for this meta or prepared to go to play the meta the way that the Washington Justice were playing. Um, their picks on, aside from the initial Zen pick, th- their teams were their roster was just not as well equipped to to do damage as the Justice. And although that they've been playing fairly well for the entire season, I believe they were consistently around number five seed. It, it just the meta got to them. Yeah, this is one of the one of the times where you know that the both of these teams are really good, um, but the meta does shift a lot. And when it does shift, um, it could be the difference between winning or losing a match. Um, when you have a really strong presence like Janu on Roadhog, it makes it really difficult for KSP, even though he's the better hit scan the better like person to be able to hit his shots um against stitch like on paper he's better. um but with the team um you know john who's gonna be applying a lot of pressure there's just so much pressure coming from both sides here so you have to remember like even in your pub games and even in your you know competitive games remember uh overwatch is a 6v6 game it's not a 1v1 um you have to play with your team and if you have the better team wins always um like if you have a wink if you have a weak link uh in your team but you have like a really really strong like somebody else who can fill in the gap um you can't always rely on that to win you the game you have to like step it up as well definitely it's 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 not a game of i it's a game of we Moving on to day two, we had the New York Excel facing the charge. New York, New York Excelsior took that three to zero. The charge versus the Dragons was a close two to three, but the Dragons did take it and went on to the finals. So they secured their spot. Um, the Shock versus the Fusion was a three to one. The Shock did win that one and they have secured their spot. And the Justice versus the Mayhem was a three to zero in favor of the Justice. Kevin, how was the Shock versus the Fusion game? Um, not, not as much of a steamroll as, uh, the fusion would like. Um, I love watching these matches just because I knew what was coming. Um, and that, that really excited me. I mean, the whole Twitter beef that happened after the first one, um, just made this match even, even more insane. Um, so, uh, let's see. I remember Carpe after beating the Shock on I think it was the August fifteenth. They had a match against the um, they had a match against the Shock, and Carpe tweeted immediately after after winning that match, uh, "Easy as fuck." Uh, I'm just quoting it. Okay, that that's what he said, um, and it's really funny because immediately after that, um, Smurf said like, "Oh, okay." Um, you know, we did take our first loss in a while. I'm glad that 
you know, we're, we're going to be more motivated. We, we're ready to, ready to fight this meta. Um, and then after that, it was, um, Krusty said, haha, good luck. Um, we'll see you in the, we'll see you in the playoffs. Right. Um, and he's like, there was a lot of people. And I remember, uh, me being one of them that's saying a motivated shock is one of the scariest shocks that you could ever oh, face. Absolutely. Um, you saw how they C9 lost last season after that yeah. C9. After the C9, they didn't they didn't lose a single map after that. Like they they learned from their mistakes. They're like, we cannot take our foot off the gas. And after that point, they were like, you know what? We we just have to kill everything. And that's exactly what they did. Um, they did the same thing when it came down to um, picking up certain players you know like they saw that they had a flaw at their genji position like they were running super as genji and that's not necessarily something that you're you're proud of right um you're just saying like okay well he happens to play it at a solid level it's good but it's not good enough um so uh they they picked up tayo and after that you know they slowly start picking up more and more pieces they they pick up twilight um, to cover some of Moth's bases, and they they just start rolling even better. Um, but yeah, the the second that Carpe tweeted out, you know, easy AF, um, the shock were motivated enough to come back at them, um, and that's exactly what happened. Um, as we start off in this match, um, you know, number one versus number two seed, you know, it, it is going to be a good one. Um, the shocks start out Lijong Tower. Um, very standard composition. They use Ons and Striker as their DPS. Smurf, Choi, and then Violet and Moth. Um, meanwhile, the Philly Fusion are running with Ivy and Hisu with Sato, Fury, Funny Astro, and Alarm. Um, they are, you know, they're a solid team. They're pushing on through. Um, but the Shock just did really well of contesting point and just made it really, really close. And once again, uh, they use the May on Control Center. Uh, that's something that a lot of teams aren't used to still use it in a way that works out best for them. Uh, moving on forward into the next one, um, they go into Hollywood. This is the one map that they, that the shock didn't win. Um, they tried to push on through and make something work, but at a certain point, they weren't able to really capitalize on uh, getting the picks that they wanted on defense. So the fusion ended up holding them off. Um, it was just like a quick, like full hold and then playing defense for an entire map. So it was an 0-1 and the fusion tie up the score at the half at one apiece. Uh, moving on after that, um, the shock really just turned it on. They just said, you know what? No more. Um, at they they go to Volskaya. They cap the first point really quickly, and then they apply more pressure. They get a lot of percentage on the second, and then they just full hold. Um, so that really went in their favor. And then on the on the last one, uh, the Philly the Philly Fusion cap the first point, but they don't have enough to really push on through. Um, once again, both of these teams are running the same rosters for now. Um, Ivy and Hisu were able to apply a little bit of pressure, but the fact that Ons is playing at such a long sightline just gives them so much like space to be able to win and be able to play. So uh, Ons did a really, really good job of holding them down there. Um, the last point was Watchpoint Gibraltar, and this is the point where they brought in Carpe. Uh, so the Fusion bring in Carpe because they're like, oh, okay, maybe we could win the sniper duel against Ons. Um, they made it a close one. Um, they both pushed it to the end of the first. Um, it was three apiece. But once they had to play offense, the uh, Fusion had to play offense into the Shock. Um, the Shock were able to just hold them off for long enough that they weren't able to cap first. Um, and then they just pushed back the same way. So Carpe did come in, um, but only when it was too late. And I felt like if you are the Philly Fusion, you're looking at this match and you're like, why didn't we bring Carpe in earlier? Like, why didn't we use the Sniper earlier? Um, because at that point, you're essentially just letting the Shock walk straight into the Grand Finals. Um, and it completes the full cycle of uh, 
everybody, you know, getting mad at each other and uh, having a really, really good, you know, spitting battle at each other. Um, Carpe tweeted out after that match, just like a, like a neutral face. He's just like, hmm. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it's the really funny. now, Carpe? Yeah, it, it's really funny because um, Rascal tweeted immediately at the Fusion, um, good luck. And he puts a picture of the gulags from uh, from Call of Duty Warzone, where essentially if you win, you you move forward and you get to play again. But if you lose, you're gone. And so he put a picture of the gulags and he tagged at the fusion. Um, but it's also, you know, at the Washington Justice as well. So they're just like, okay, yep, somebody's going to get eliminated here. Um, it was so funny to just see, you know, the back and forth between everybody but yeah i'm glad that this is turning into a rivalry um and yeah when we saw this first come up it was kind of insane now it's just time to watch um watch it see how they turn out especially when we get into the later rounds yeah uh, so moving on to day three this is the last elimination rounds of the season the Dynasty versus the New York Excelsior and the Justice versus the Fusion. Uh, so the Dynasty versus the NYXL, the number fifth seed, the Dynasty versus the number three seed, the NYXL. Um, I really wasn't sure who was going to win this one because the Dynasty, this at least this tournament, had a fantastic matchup. They, we've seen them go toe-to-toe with the Shanghai Dragons before, um, but they also do have a tendency to be a coin flip team. The NYXL are a good team they're full of very experienced players but they do have a tendency to choke when it counts so this one was very up in the air this one did happen to go a 3-0 though in favor of the soul dynasty i think it came down to comfort on the meta uh again with the the roadhog playing on on this meta i think roadhog has just He's defined this tournament. He's got such stability. And with the way that Gesture does use the Roadhog, it's very dangerous because while Gesture does have the tendency to be focused on and taken out, his game sense is, is so strong that a lot of the time where teams would try to run a Sombra or some other flanking character to take, him, uh, take out the team or catch them unawares, Gesture's already there waiting, prepped with a hook to just hook and delete. And a lot of times, especially like if you look on Anubis, which was their third uh, map, um, this is when it's like very, it's the most apparent. Um, Gesture would be on the hog. Someone's trying to flank and use a, an EMP. He'd hook, take out the Sombra. And then you've just wasted a push as the NYXL. The, the New York XL, if you look at Anubis, the way that they played this, it looked like they had some good moments. Like on Busan, downtown, they, there was a decent back and forth. There was a chance for the New York XL to take it uh, on downtown, but they didn't. And that one went 2-0 to the, the dynasty. But when you look on Anubis, it looks like they have a chance because um, even though Seoul was able to get both points on their attack, they had a lot of trouble pushing into uh, the New York Excelsior's defense. And then when the New York Excelsior are attacking, they take point one so quickly. They, they complete it with three minutes to spare. They have six minutes to take point two. But the problem is, is that they've, they've kind of taken the point too quickly to the point where they don't really have any ult charge at all. And while the, the Soul Dynasty don't either, they're still able to set up and position themselves in a way that the, the New York Excelsior aren't able to just brute force snowball it and from there on the new york excelsior really don't seem to have a plan they're just throwing bodies on point uh using their alts whenever they can and even when they do they're not getting any advantage of them they were really relying on getting a really good emp to to snowball kills from that but like it kept happening where they get that big emp and they get one kill but there was an immediate resurrection and meanwhile the uh, the Soul Dynasty are taking out multiple players on their team. So you, on one hand, you didn't just waste a push; you wasted your ult and the EMP. Um, so the New York Excelsior, while they did have some good play and they do have the talent on their team, again the meta really killed them here. They they just weren't. It didn't seem like they were comfortable playing against the Soul Dynasty on the picks that they did have. Uh, again, with like. 
running Winston Diva and going against the Roadhog and either a Zarya or a Hammond, you do have the mobility, but you just don't have the damage. Yeah, this is a prime example of knowing the meta and being able to play it. Um, I was discussing with Andy Miller uh, quite a while ago um, when we were still able to be face-to-face about building wide or building tall. And he knows... He knows a lot about, you know, building teams and, you know, being in the sports realm in general. Um, but he said most of it is left to Krusty and the way how he thinks. Um, Krusty likes to build wide, which means that you have a bunch of players who are really good at playing multiple heroes. Like, they're not necessarily, they're not always the best at playing one hero. They're, like, proficient and good enough to at any time. And because of that, um, when the meta shifts, like what we have right now, you have pieces that can fit and flow into any spot. Um, that's one of the main reasons that when Krusty came over, he picked up Braskel. That is one of the very first like pickups that he wanted. And he got it there. Um, the NYXLs are built tall, which means that they have the best in the league, but they're only good at specific heroes. So, like, Sabiolbe is probably, like, one of the craziest tracers you've ever seen. Um, and, you know, Jonak is probably one of the craziest Zenyatas you've ever seen. But if it's not a Zen meta or it's not a tracer meta, you are losing out on that. It's like that, that phrase. Uh, generally, you hear jack-of-all-trades, master-of-none. Um, the, the full phrase goes, jack-of-all-trades, master-of-none, better than a master-of-one. And that's really like the philosophy that's coming out here. It's that it's, it's better to have a flexibility than just dominance and being a one trick. Yeah. And that's why whenever the meta shifts or something changes, uh, NYXL are usually the last to be able to like really lock it down. It's just something that's in their, in their system. Um, I do think that, you know, the dynasty are going to be scary moving forward. Um, so definitely keep an eye out for them. So, yeah, I mean, you do have profit in other players like that, but it's just a really solid game. Um, everybody's doing what they need to do, gesture especially. Um, and too bad the NYXL stands for next year Excelsior. So the final elimination match of the season was the Washington Justice versus the Philly Fusion. The Philly Fusion, of course, even though I would say that they're not as good a team as the San Francisco Shock, they do have, and they have had the number one record the entirety of this season, whereas the Washington Justice typically have been at the bottom, and they were the number 12 seed coming into this tournament, but have managed to make that Cinderella story run, um, lasted for a very long time in the winner's bracket, lost to the San Francisco Shock, but then continued their run through the loser's bracket to this point where they are one step away from going to the finals. Um, and this, again, was a 3-0. and This did go the way of the Philly Fusion. Um, so it was just a really unfortunate way for the Washington Justice to end the season, but also a, a valid, I'd say a validation of how good the Fusion are in spite of their inability to, to really top the San Francisco Shock when it comes head-to-head. They are number one for a reason. Um, I think for, for me, uh, what showed throughout this, this matchup is that the Washington Justice may really have only been good at this meta. Um, I, you see a trend with them that they, they try to take on whatever the Philly Fusion are doing. Because if, if what they're running doesn't work, their mindset seems to be, okay, this isn't working. What they're doing is working. Let's copy it, which is not the best strategy because while while the Philly Fusion are making it work, they've played on this meta. And you switching just puts you out of your comfort zone and makes it easier for them because they know what they're doing. You probably don't. So, for example, like we saw the Pig's Feet meta come out from uh, the Philly Fusion, which is Roadhog and Sigma. There are times where the Washington Justice decide, oh, they're making Pig's Feet work. Let's try Pig's Feet as well. And it, it, they, they're not practiced enough on that um aside from that i feel like 
there there was probably a little bit of of fear in them going against the Philly Fusion. Like they've they've been winning, but again, you're going against the Fusion. You've both lost to the same team, but the pro- the difference is is the Fusion do have the distinction of have be, having beaten the San Francisco Shock before. Yeah, and when it comes down to this matchup in general, um, there was one thing that really showed through, and that is experience. Mm-hmm. Um, the the way how the Washington Justice played, it's kind of like a team that is like fresh off the boat. They kind of just like figured it out. They're put together. They do have really really good pieces. I mean, you cannot you cannot discount Decay, Janu, and a whole bunch of just other like Stitch. Just like a really solid yeah. team. I would um, say Decay, Janu, and Tuba did an amazing job against the Philly Fusion. Yeah, they they have a lot going on for them, and they're really, really good at doing that. So um, they have a lot of really good pieces. But when it comes down to being able to be flexible and playing in a meta um, that is kind of reminiscent of an older meta, um, the team that has older experience and has played through that meta during, you know, I I would call it the boomer era, um, we we would understand how this plays. Like, for example, like, the Fusion were around during the initial dive meta. Like, yeah. they, that's the reason why they have Poe and Neptuno. That whole, like, mentality of, you know, you cannot push us and win if we're already in your back line and shooting you in the face. Like, you, you cannot play the game uh, if we are already taking out your back line. Like, you cannot heal. You, you're not allowed to heal if you have no healers. Um, and nobody was more aggressive on that front than, than Poco and... Poco, EQO, and Neptuno. Like, you would never expect a Battle Mercy to 1v1 a, uh, a Widow, right? Like, you don't see that ever yeah. anymore. But that was the way how the Philly Fusion played in Season 1. And they could easily go back to that. They could go back to a style where they can go full dive on a Roadhog Zarya meta if they wanted to. Um, and they just know how to play it well. Um, and they're a tight-knit team that's been together since, you know, Season 1. So these guys know what they want to do and what they have uh, what they have to do in order to win. So they brought that in. They played it to the best of their ability. I'm glad that the, the Fusion were there to at least give them a little, or the, um, the Justice was there to give them a little bit of a pushback. But I think if you give them one more year, they are going to be a very scary team to look at. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, part of my my viewing experience watching the Washington Justice is I wasn't nearly as impressed with Stitch's play as the casters always were. Um, and I think that part of it comes down to the way that the match was presented through through the observers. Um, whenever we they showed Stitch, like there were times where he was getting good shots off on the squishies, but then immediately gets taken out by a better sniper like, say, Carpe or KSP. Um, but then again, like you, you see in the kill feed, he's taking out the squishies very quickly. Um, so my, my question is, Kevin, like you, you probably, I know VFI probably knows more about this than you do since he's an observer, but you know more about this than I do. But like, where does the, where does the balance come in of what to show as opposed to like what the observers are seeing? Like, um, I, I understand that you're probably going to go where you think a lot of the damage is, but like at least with my experience, like the way that the observer presents the match dictates how I interpret how certain characters are performing or how certain players are doing. Yeah, it is all about perspective. And when you are playing Overwatch in this um, in this style and trying to figure out like what to look at, the first thing that we look at is uh, who's going to be initiating the action. Usually it's somebody who has an ultimate ready Somebody who has like a full, yeah, like somebody who has an ultimate ready, you know that they're going to make a big play. Like the go to one, like back in the day, was like when you saw Zarya with Grav, you're like, okay, we just follow Zarya with Grav. Or during Goats, you would always follow, uh, you would always follow Ryan because he's the one who starts the fight. Right. Um, or so, in like some of the most recent patches, you'd follow the Genji because the Nano Blade, he'd come in and just clean up. Exactly. So you know that this is happening at that point. Um, when it comes down to that, it's just a matter of figuring out how you're going to play against it, you know? Um, mm-hmm. But to guide the, the audience's eyes, you have to 
find out what's going to start the action and follow it. Um, and then if it, like, when too much stuff is going on, uh, like, especially in Overwatch, like, it just, like, four people pop ults and you're just like, okay, what's going on? Um, they usually take a wide shot at that point. That way you could, you get to see everything. But the main reason for this is if you're watching a player, right, and all you see is, like, a player getting killed every time right like they walk out and they just die yeah um you're gonna think oh they're really bad like they're they're just getting pooped yeah, on i mean like, like with Stitch, we saw like most of the time i saw him missing his shots and getting sniped out like that's what i saw from stitch yeah so like that's what you see um but on the flip side you could just be like oh ksp is having an amazing night like right. he's just doing really really well um, or, you know, whoever the other snipers is doing really well. So at that point, you would try to flip over to the other side and just try to get some more footage of, you know, the, the winning team just trying to push on through. Um, you could also, it also depends on homestands. Like we were supposed to have a homestand format. And when those homestands are going to be aired, um, it does change the way how you view the games themselves. So for example, like, if you're at a home game for, let's say, you know, the LA Valiant, right? You're going to get more footage of the LA Valiant, regardless of if they're getting pooped on or if they're doing really well. Um, that's because it's the home team. The, team want, the, the people in the crowd want to see the home team. So that's the perspective that they're going to get. Okay, yeah, makes, makes a lot of sense. So, um. I mean, I, I did eventually, like, they did eventually, if you look on um, Gibraltar for the Valiant versus the uh, the Justice, like, they, they did eventually, like, show good clips of Stitch really wreaking hell upon the LA Valiant squishies and their tanks. Um, so, eventually, I did understand, okay, this is what they're talking about. But for, for the most part, I was just very confused as to why they felt Stitch deserved the the player of the game um, announcement, but yeah. So so realizing now that we're just not seeing everything that goes on, like the 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 observers aren't able to catch all the action all the time, or maybe aren't able to to switch fast enough is is something that I guess us as the viewers do need to to realize as well. They generally yeah, do something... a very good job of it, though. Like it, it's just, it just happened to be. So they just happen to not be paying attention to Stitch. Yeah, sometimes we do miss out on things. That that is something that happens a lot on the esports like observing side of it. Um, it it be like that sometimes. I'm not gonna lie. Um, it do like you're watching one fight break out and then something amazing happens on the other side of the map and you're like, oh, whoops, forgot about that. <laughs> Um, the best examples, if you want to see what that looks like, is uh, if you want to take a peek at Valorant observing. Um, at that point, you have like fights breaking out on multiple sides of the map, but you could only hop from perspective to perspective. So what I've seen V do quite a bit is he'll follow somebody very, very closely, and he's watching the mini-map, and he's like, okay, if two people's like, eye lines get really close to matching up or is about to start, like, you could expect a fight to break out. Um, so he, he's constantly looking at that instead. But versus, like, an Overwatch, you just know where the tanks are and who's going to initiate the fight. That's kind of your indicator of, like, who you need to follow. Mm -hmm. Okay. Glad we got that perspective in here. Glad we have someone who knows what they're talking about. So that was it for the... Uh... The, the elimination matches. Now, Grand Finals weekend is coming in three weeks' time on October 8th. We do, of course, have the, uh, the, the All-Star Games. The Asia game, I believe, is on the 26th of September. And the, uh, the North American All-Star Game is going to be on the 3rd of October. So we do have some gameplay in between now and the 8th. Um, that just gives the... Uh, the team's time to, to travel, to make their living accommodations, to do the quarantine and testing and everything and make sure that they are safe. Um, but on Thursday, October 8th at 4 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, the Seoul Dynasty will be facing off against the San Francisco Shock. 
And then at 6 a.m. or whenever that match finishes, the Philadelphia Fusion will take on the Shanghai Dragons. Um, the rest of the lineup for Friday and Saturday is TBD. I don't understand why that is. I feel like they should just all play each other. And then whoever has the best record gets to go to the finals. I, I, I don't understand. I'm, I'm curious to see what actually happens here. But just looking at it now, I, I'm looking for a shock versus dragons finale. I would, I would like that as well. If we get to see that, that would be insane. Um, I, I guess another fun thing that happened on the side, if you guys are interested in watching um, a little bit of fun on the side overwatch, there was a one V one DPS tournament uh, held by the shock. And it was like an internal tournament um, that was just between the players and a special guest. Um, and they were just like, oh, okay, well, we'll have a 1v1, uh, you know, mirror, uh, mirror matchup against certain people. And then everybody can place their bets on who, who makes it to the end. Um, the special guest who they decided to bring on was Jake. Um, so, you know, it's not somebody who doesn't have overwatch league experience it is jake um played on you know the houston outlaws has a lot of background Whoa, jake rat he was part of the reason why the houston outlaws were so successful when they were at the top of the league which season exactly. one they were they were a very strong team season one yeah and they were just really strong in general um but it was hosted on super's uh super's twitch stream and he ended up playing against uh, Jake. There's a highlight of him, his Genji versus Jake's Genji. Uh, Jake ends up winning that fight, and Super's eliminated on the first round. So a lot of people were giving him flack for that. Like, imagine, imagine hosting the stream and getting eliminated first round. And he's just like, "Oh man, why it's you do strategic. that to me?" He, he's allowed to now like curate everything. Yeah, and he's allowed boss. to trash talk everybody. Um, but the finals of that was um, Jake versus Violet. Um, believe it or not, like both Ons, Tayo, Rascal, uh, everybody else who was like in the whole discussion got eliminated. Um, but at the end, it was Jake versus Violet, and uh, Violet came out on top. And it was really funny the tweet that came afterwards um, by Krusty. It <laughs> he posted it uh, immediately after the games were done. He's like, "All of our DPS sucks. Sending a contract to Jake for the for win in the finals." So I'm like, okay, like Krusty at least has a sense of humor, but he's, he could be not kidding and saying like, you know what, maybe we might, we might need this. I mean, that would be crazy to see someone come out of retirement from the desk and back into like pro play. Yeah. I, we've heard of players like retiring and then coming back on occasion. Um, but there hasn't been anybody who's like, fully left or has done something and then decided to come back. Everybody's been kind of just hanging around. Yeah. Um, speaking of people who are hanging around, there's like rumors going through the grapevine that uh, Big Daddy Pine is looking for another team. Um, so Pine might return. And then also uh, Jehong has been talking about trying to return back to the league as well. Um, wasn't Jayhawk's reason for coming back is that like he's he likes this meta better than what he left with? Yes, there, there's that, and also like I the internal you know destroying of the Vancouver Titans. Uh, he didn't want to leave a, a good team that had potential like that, but it just didn't happen. So what is going on for them? Like a lot of people are saying, like, oh man, dude, imagine all the free agents you could pick up right now, like you. Like most of the shocks contracts are expiring, like, but I, I doubt that they're gonna let them go. Um, but it would be insane to just see like, um, you you have a DPS line of Pine, um, yeah, you have Pine. Day was in the discussion before he got picked up, but like, you you never know where he's actually gonna end up. Um, like Jayhong Bumper coming back, um, just like a whole bunch of just players who are like. Uh, MIA right now. It could easily make up a team and come back in the next season. I, that'd be interesting to see if if there are teams coming, like new teams in the next season. Tokyo Drifters, come on, let's let's do it. Let's, let's do, do it. it. Uh, I'm totally down if I only had the financial backing to make <laughs> it happen. But 
it, it would be insane to to just have a really sick team like that. Anything else that we want to talk about before we uh before we wrap up for this week? Uh, just make sure that you get your nine wins. Don't procrastinate. Get wins. Make it quick. Because uh, if you uh if you don't goof, you're you're not going to be able to get that tracer skin. Um, so do that. Watch some Twitch streams for I think six hours, like the most. If you watch for six hours, you get all of the sprays. So uh, link your Twitch to your Blizzard account so you get your uh, get your stuff. And yeah, um, I'm probably going to be playing Overwatch maybe tomorrow night. I have to help the team get ready. Um, it, not necessarily for tryouts because tryouts are happening next week. Um, it's just the remainder of the team who wants to remain and continue to play Overwatch. Um, so it's, it's kind of an interesting, we're in an interesting spot right now. We're in transition of potentially building a new team, but the old team still wants to stay together and play. So, I mean, that's the most important part of like teams. It's just getting to know people and hanging out. Yeah, definitely. Well, thank you everybody for tuning in this week. We will come back at you next week with some, uh, some good overwatch news i when is the 26th 26 is not going to be for a little bit more than well, uh, almost like two week. weeks yeah almost two weeks so uh we'll that'll we'll cover the age of game then but yeah come back next week and we'll talk about all the news that we can find and scrape together thanks for tuning in everybody and we'll catch you then Next week, we take a look at the latest Overwatch news while we wait for the League Finals. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. If you like what you hear, please like, rate, and subscribe to us on all your favorite podcast platforms and follow us on all social media at Believe in OWL. Questions or comments? Please send us an email at believeinowl at gmail.com. If you'd like to advertise with our show, please contact our network at Believe.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.